So I'm so good to be with you all today. Um, thank you, oh, my esteemed friend. Just somewhere in the middle there would be great. As you know, I like to preach with illustrations, and um, I brought an A-grade illustration today um, from the Redmond's house, and you're going to enjoy it, I'm sure. But let's not go to there. I, um, I've been on holidays for about three and a half weeks. I, what? Yes, I know. What? feels like my first holiday since I've been in Queensland, um, and it was like I came out of a slumber about Wednesday, and I'm arrived here today. So <laughs> who knows what you're going to get today, but it'll be fun. I'm sure it will be. Um, we're delving in today to a, a, a new message, a new, a new series. I think it's a little one, one series. It's just me. Just me. It's to the streets. To the streets. When I think of to the streets, it's talking about evangelism of Acts chapter 1 and chapter 2. When I think of to the streets with evangelism, I think of some old stayers. People would go out. You know, I believe once upon a time, Seventh-day Adventists would ride a push bike, knock on a door, ride to the next one, knock on a door, ride to the next one, knock on a door, and they would share Jesus like that every week. And they would also stand on little stools in the market square like North Lakes and would preach the gospel. Who's keen? Why are you laughing? Who's keen? Who wants to come and do that stuff with me today? Let's just drop the sermon. Let's just go over to North Lakes, get on a soapbox and preach. Who's up for that? Why do I hear crickets in here, Pastor Sarah? <laughs> I'm not even keen for that, right? Um, I don't really understand what that might look like. I've seen it done. I've seen it be effective, but does it work today? Um, so we're going to look a bit into that. But before we get to that, I want to take you to Acts chapter 1. So if you've got your Bibles, I haven't got it on the screen. As I said, holidays came out of slumber, PowerPoint, non-existent. So I'm here today with you. Turn with your Bibles, grab your phones out. That's okay. I'm okay with that. Um, in fact, there's a little side note before we, we get moving. Um, I was a youth pastor at Maitland Seven-day Adventist Church. And um, this is some time ago. It's like 12 years ago. And all the young people, uh, like, that didn't really worry me. But I had the elders come up to me and I went, Pastor Rick, and I said, well, thank you for calling me Pastor Rick. I'm just learning. I'm studying at Avondale, but I appreciate that. Pastor Rick, all the kids are always on their phones in church, and I'm over it. And I went, okay. What do you, what, I said to them, what if they're actually looking up their Bible? They're not looking at their Bible. They're looking at Instagram and back then or Snapchat. I don't know how that works, but they were looking at something on their phone that they shouldn't be. And I said, all right, let's do a test. Let's see, you get two, two of you guys, like two, two elders, and then I'll grab a couple of youth. We'll sit down and we'll do some questions about the sermon and see who knows the best. And they went, oh, okay. So we sat down. And next thing you know, like um, the elders, I'm asking questions, the elders are answering and they were astonished to their amazement that these young people were answering every question like they'd heard the sermon better than they had. 
And they looked at me and they said, how is this possible? I said, I don't know. There's no way I could do it. They can seem to do it. So grab your phones out. Turn with me to Acts chapter 2, 1. We're going to kick off today and we're going to get into this um, evangelism. What does it mean to go to the streets? Because I believe we see a really good example of how that works in, in the story of Acts. Come with me to Acts chapter 1 and verse 6. First, a bit of background. So Acts is like coming straight after Jesus, who had been there, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. The last thing that Jesus says to them is in Matthew chapter 28, verse 19 and 20, which um, you might be able to remember. It is, go make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father. You know that particular text. So God gives the commission to the disciples to go baptize people and share the gospel. And we get to Acts, and there's no Jesus, and these guys go, what do we do now? So come with me. Acts chapter 1, verse 6. So when they had come together, they began asking him, saying, Lord, is it at this time that you are restoring the kingdom of Israel? So Jesus has returned. He's resurrected and returned to them. And what's the first question they ask? Oh, are you going to fix the mess we're in? These Romans are oppressing us. Fix it. Make it right. Jesus must have like been pulling his hair out. Didn't you just ask this question before I was uh, killed and then resurrected? Now you're asking me again? And read on a bit further, verse 7 and verse 8. But he said to them, It's not for you to know the periods of time or appointed times which the Father has set by his own authority. By the way, Jesus actually just answers them plainly. I think he's over giving questions and questions. He just goes, guys, God the Father knows the times when he's coming back. But you will receive power when you, and you shall be my witness both in Jerusalem and all in Judea and Samaria and as far as the remotest parts of the earth. So he said, go back. The Holy Spirit is going to come. Come on to verse 9. And after he has said these things, he was lifted up while they were watching. So this is Jesus. Uh, he tells them the story, and then all of a sudden Jesus starts ascending into heaven, and a cloud took him up out of their sight. And as they were gazing intently into the sky while he was going, then behold, two men in white clothing stood beside them. And they said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into the sky? This Jesus, who has been taken up from you into heaven, will come in the same way as you will watch. So basically, a couple of angels are going, why are you looking into heaven? Because they're amazed. They're going, whoa, he just flew. Could you imagine the scene? Watching Jesus. And here they are again, I guess a sense of loss. He's gone again? He's left us alone again? Go to verse 12. And they return to Jerusalem from the mountain called Olivet which is near Jerusalem, a Sabbath day's journey away. And when they had entered the city, they went up to the upstairs room where they were staying, and it mentions all the names. There's a stack of them there, all the disciples. And all these were continually devoting themselves with one mind to prayer along, sorry women, with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. So they see this amazing scene. They take stock they go, what do we do now? Well, let's go home. And they go up into the upper room and they begin to pray and spend time with God. Notice 
They don't go preaching straight away. What do they do? They take time. They take stock. They do a bit of admin work because they've lost a a disciple because Judas, the betrayer, has now left them and he's dead. And so they need to replace him. And so there's a whole series you can read on in that. Have a look at that um, later on. We're not going to go into that today. This whole story, how they how they elect Matthias as a, as a new apostle and they um, do this whole admin thing and they sit and they wait, come down to chapter 2 and verses 1 to 4. Chapter 2, verses 1 to 4. And when the day of Pentecost had come, interesting they named the date of it, um, it's the day of Pentecost and it hasn't happened yet, um, they were all together in one place and suddenly, this freaks us out, all right, like a violent rushing wind came from heaven and it filled the whole house where they were sitting and tongues that looked like fire appeared to them distributing themselves and a tongue rested on each of them and with different tongues as the spirit was giving them the ability to speak so they sit they wait they pray they're connecting with each other they're sharing meals they're talking they're they're doing church and then the Holy Spirit falls upon them, and it's like a rushing wind. It's, it's loud, it's not quiet, it's noisy, and they see this amazing scene, and they begin to preach. And words just start coming out of them. And as they begin to preach, it goes on, read, the, read what's preached a bit further on. They begin to preach, and every time they speak, all those that are around them can hear whether you've come from across the other side of the world or your, your home base, you can hear. There's no translators needed. It's a miracle. And we gloss over it. But why? <coughs> why a miracle? The Holy Spirit falls. Why, why does God use them? In verse 5, These guys are drunk. <laughs> They're running around babbling. Yeah, because we don't understand because it's from another nation, but if you're actually of that nation, you would hear them. And everybody that was there heard. And what did everybody hear? It's the gospel message of Jesus Christ. It's simple. And he shares the message of Jesus Christ, which for us, you know, we're all attuned to it and we understand and maybe know it. But for that time, it was something crazy. Come to verse 37. Now when they heard this, they were pierced to the heart. And the people said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, what do we do? Fair question, right? I've heard this amazing thing. This Jesus guy, this whole thing, I I don't have to take a lamb anymore to sacrifice, to be forgiven. I can just pray and Jesus forgives like this, this whole message was just foreign to them. What do we do now? Check out what Peter says, verse 38. Peter said to them, Repent, and each of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness, I can't even say that word, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you'll receive the gift of what? The Holy Spirit. See, they've had this own experience that they've, they've just witnessed and felt and, just, and, and loved and endured. They've had this experience. They share their experiences and say, hey, go experience the same. Go experience what it means for the Holy Spirit to fill you. 
And it goes on to say in that text, for all who were far away, as many as the Lord or God called to himself. So he tells them to do three clear things. Kind of understand it. We do. I think we do. Repent. Be baptised into Jesus. That's mean understanding that you actually, when you've repented, you say, yes, I, I have been forgiven and now I want to be a follower of Jesus. I want to be with him and I want to walk with him and I want to, want to go with him. And then when you do that, the Holy Spirit will fill you. By the way, Holy Spirit's God, right? They've just experienced God in the flesh, Jesus. And Jesus is gone and he sent the Holy Spirit. God is here with them and with us. And all we've got to do is take stock. Have a look what the result is, verse 41 and 42. And with many other words, he solemnly testified and kept on urging them, saying, be saved from this perverse generation. So then those who had received the word and were baptised, and that day there were added how many souls? 3,000 souls in one day. Jesus spoke into their lives. Got them ready. There was a time period of waiting. It wasn't just jumping forward. 3,000 oh men. How good would that be to see? Would that fire you up? Would that make you want to jump out of your seats? Would that make you want to like run down and go, yes, praise my God and Jesus? 3,000 people say, oh, I want to serve Jesus. I want to follow his way. I'm going to break it down today and have a bit of a look at what that that means and, and go through and understand what those three sections mean. The first one being repent. Okay, let's, let's work with an illustration. That's always a good, good place to start. All right. So, pretend this is you. You used to be golden circle, cordial. Now you're clean, clear. You're water, water of life. Okay, this is you. And um, we start out pretty good. You know, we've pretty clean, pretty happy. But to understand repentance, first of all, we've got to understand what sin means. I've been blessed today. I, um, I have some A-grade, super-duper, fresh horse poo, uber quality, all the way from the Redmond's farm. Task. And he's picked it up and he's brought it here. And I want to... Um, Oh, it's double bag too. Well done, Sarah. I think it stunk a bit, didn't it? Hanging around your house, right? Because I did ask for this early in the week. Woohoo! Uber. He's on the good stuff. Oh. All right. All right. <laughs> All right. I want you to think, you know, we add crap into our lives, right? Oh, that's good. That's good horse poo. <laughs> oh, my goodness. If only you could smell what I'm smelling. <laughs> You know, we're adding... Oh, this was... Like, I thought this was a good idea. My eyes are watering Uber. <laughs> you know, he's the funniest, funniest horse. I've never met a horse. I swear the horse thinks it's a, it's a dog. It'll come up to you when you arrive on their farm and he'll want a pat. And if you don't give him a pat, he'll lick your ear. I've seen it done. Nibble on your ear. And then you might be fixing up the car like I was one day and then Uber thought it was nice to come and have a sniff around me. Um, and he's just like a, I swear, oh. All right. And so what I want to illustrate to you today is that sin enters our lives and 
I don't think I'll ever use those again. Um, ooh. Yeah, right. Eh? And it comes into our lives and affects us and it messes, right? It messes us up. All right, honey, this is a good soup spoon from home. It's fine. I'll clean it up. And that clear, clean body of ourselves, yeah, it doesn't look good, does it? Doesn't smell good. I think it goes in there. <laughs> and it's a mess, right? And this can be a life. Some of you might even feel like this right now. Some of you feel like that you're messed up, you're clogged up, you're feeling like garbage, and you don't know how to get yourself out of it. Some of you attempt and you try and go, oh, where's my little thingy, Bobby? And you go, I can fix this, God. And you pick it out and you try and get rid of it out of your life. God, help me to get rid of the crap out of my life. And nothing happens. You can't do it, right? It's impossible. You cannot clean this by any means. And it ends up a mess. Leads me to a story to try and help understand what repentance really means. I grew up on a farm and my mum cooks. Oh, she cooks. When she comes to town, she cooks. She comes and visits us. She brings cakes and biscuits. And, and I got to this size. I blame her. It's all her. And back in the day, it was sugar. She loves putting sugar, you know, like her recipes. I've, I've actually seen her recipes. It's two cups flour, two cups of sugar. That's what gets you going. And makes these cakes and these biscuits. And I got home one day and there was these beautiful biscuits sitting just being brought out of the oven. Who loves the smell of that? It's much better than the horse crap that I just um, smelt. And that, that beautiful smell coming out of the oven. And she sits them, you know, right there like a tease. Mums do this, don't they? They love teasing us. Right there, ready to eat. And she goes, don't eat them. Burn your tongue, for starters. And uh, we're going to have them later for, for dessert. And I just sort of paced backwards and forwards because... Like, I didn't get to this size by looking at food. Like, seriously, and I go, oh, man, they look good. I want one. I'll go outside, I'll play a bit of cricket. I figured if I do a bit of cricket, a bit of sport, maybe I can get one and it'd be fine. And I come back and mum's gone, everyone's gone, and I just grab a biscuit. I grab two. Next thing you know, I've eaten three or four, can't remember. And I run away immediately because I knew that I had done something wrong, Right? I knew that I'd messed up. Mum comes back in. She's counted them, of course, because she knows what I'm like. Who took the biscuits? Rick, get here. Oh, no, sorry. Ricky James, get here. That's how it usually worked. And then if she was really mad, Ricky James Mill, get here. And so I would come running and went, what, Mum, what's the matter? Trying to look all like, you know, I knew what was going on. And she, and, and, and she asked, did you take a biscuit? Nah, Mum, I would never do that. You told me not to take one. It must have been my brother. So first thing, I blame my brother. She goes, are you sure? And then when she says that, you go, oh, man, I better be sure or, you know, I'm going to get a flogging. That's what that means. Go have a look in the mirror. So I go and have a look in the mirror. Sure enough, I hadn't cleaned up properly and there's biscuit all over my face. And I come back and immediately 
I felt guilt because I knew I wasn't going to get away with it. And then guilt turned to shame. No, it turned to fear because I knew what was coming. Mom, mom, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Repentance, repent. And I start asking for forgiveness and repentance. Forgive me, forgive me, forgive me. And I start crying and I start, you know, losing it. And then she goes. And many of us have that same view of repentance. And that's what it's about. It's only if I get caught does it really count that I have to repent. And some of us are up front and we just repent anyway, even if we hadn't done it. And we think that's what repentance is all about. And we think that's where it's, it's coming down to. But I want to take you a little step. And if we go and have a look in Acts chapter 2, and we see what is the lead up or what the, what the historical setting is in Acts chapter 1 and 2. It's early first century. And so you have a people, a culture, that has a belief of sacrificial repentance. You have a whole people or a nation that the only way that you can receive repentance, you bring that lamb to the altar, you ask for forgiveness, and they kill the lamb, and then you are forgiven. It's actually really messy, it's vengeful, isn't it? it? It actually puts God, it can put God in a very poor light. Like my mum, oh, I'm sorry now that I know that I've done this wrong because I'm going to get some punishment for it. And so we view repentance through the eyes of fear. But what if, what if, it is that as well. I'm going to say, like, repentance is a part of that whole process. Yes, I believe that, that's what, that, that, that is definitely part of it. But what if there's an added element to repentance? What if the God of the universe is trying to show us not fear, but love? He does this by sending Jesus, who is God, by the way, to this earth, to be sacrificed for the people of the day to understand repentance, does God need that? No. God doesn't need a sacrificial repentance, but he offers that for us to understand. What, when we look at this whole system, but when we go to Jesus, what do we see Jesus doing in the whole system when he comes down and he preaches for three years? He does everything the opposite to what culture is saying. Culture is saying, um, if you're sick, it's because you've done something wrong. You need to appease yourself, go and get yourself right with God, and you'll get better. Uh, you're a leper, get out of our community. Jesus turns up, and who does Jesus hang out with? The lepers, the tax collectors, all the people that the religious people said don't hang out with. That's who Jesus hung out with. So he came to this earth to show us that's not what repentance is about. Repentance is about love. And Jesus came and gave himself out of 
love. What if we were to view this whole thing when, when they're talking, when Peter talks about this repentance, that he's actually talking about repentance of love against the old way. He's breaking the wheel. He's breaking the chains. He's showing a different way. What if, what if he's asking repentance for the way that we view God? <laughs> did I just say that? Yes, it did come out. What if that's what he's asking repentance for, for the way that we view God? And I guarantee that each one of you views God differently. Some of you are so messed up, including me, maybe from hurts that are not, that are not your fault, hurts that have been put on you. You're so messed up, your, your judgment and, and, your, and your vision of, is cloudy, and you have no idea what it means to see a God of love. And so you see the messed up world that you are in and you look to God in the same way. What if, what if he's asking in this text, what if Peter is asking to have repentance from that wrong view of God? And he wants you to view God in love like Jesus who came and did what he did. Whoa. Brain explosion. When I first got this it was a brain explosion in my head. This whole time I've been raised in, in the church and in a traditional format, which made God look like a tyrant. It made God up here, far away in the clouds. Friends, Jesus breaking that wheel. He broke that wheel and we, by taking that wheel back, are actually in need of repentance from that view. What if he wants us to repent of the view we have of God and view God as a God of love? And when we see that view, when we understand that view, what happens? Baptism in Jesus. Forgiveness of sins. <laughs> I love how Peter puts it. There's a reason why he's put repent. Baptism. Holy Spirit. Because now we've asked for repentance. We've broke the wheel. We now see Jesus God of love. The next thing, it actually should stir our heart to, to do, want to do things crazy for him. We want to align ourselves with God. And so enters Baptism, by immersion. And when we look at baptism, what happens? You go down into the water. Sometimes your whole head should go under. It's been once where it hasn't for me. A clap of thunder happened at the same time in my defence. But as I was baptised, and you go down into the water. The old view of how we see God, repentance, stays in the water. This is the symbol of baptism. And you come out brand new, changed, ready for action. <clears throat> and guess what? You're ready for the Holy Spirit. Mm. Mm -mm -mm. When that Holy Spirit comes, he will set you to task. Some to preach at North Lakes on a stool. Some to door knock. Others to just live their lives in their workplace and in their schools and in the places that they are to show what a picture of Jesus really is. 
a true picture of Jesus. And he wants you to share a true picture of love. Not one of a tyrant, but one of love. That's the gospel message that Peter was sharing. That's the gospel message that was breaking chains of the day. It literally broke the curtains of the covenant to say, hey, we don't do this anymore. We don't need a sacrificial sacrifice anymore. He broke the wheel for us and cleaned us up. But I tell you what, sometimes I still feel like this, right? Baptised many years ago, and I still have days where I feel like this. Got to go back to the source, repent, ask for forgiveness, think about what it means to be baptised, and ask for the Holy Spirit. The disciples went to the upper room, and about 120 of them. Read the story of Acts 1 and 2, it's amazing. And the Spirit felt... Imagine 120 in an upper room. I don't even know what that looks like. But it sounds crammed. And the Spirit falls. And people are just set to task. And off they go, sharing the gospel of Jesus. God meets us where we're at. Jesus, who was God, came to earth to show that to us. He came to this, he meets us where we're at. The old system, see, that old sacrificial system, you had to realise you did something wrong. You would take the animal to be sacrificed and you would give it for the, for the sacrifice and then you were clean. It's all about you, right? Jesus came and broke that wheel. And he came and he met us in the flesh, went to heaven, and then in his place he sent Holy Spirit, who is God, to be with us, to meet us, not us having to go to meet him. He meets us. Whether we're in the, oh, I nearly said the S word, in the poo. Whew. Still thinking. He meets us. In the poo. And he offers a new way of looking at God. And he sends the Holy Spirit in full measure. And he pours it into our mess. And he just keeps... Oh... That's, that's great, A. Eh? That's great, A, eh, Poop. Into us. I'm not going to go any further because my illustration is failing. I got like seven bottles back here, right? I got seven bottles back. Oh my goodness, it's on my hands. <laughs> oh. Link the mess. Link. The Holy Spirit pouring in. And if I kept pouring, oh man, be careful walking around it. If I keep pouring, we would clear out the mess. The Holy Spirit comes and clears out the mess. And he 
takes the poop. Let's put the poop away. Oh. <laughs> oh. Why does horse poop always smell worse than anything else? All right. My dad would be like, you're so, such a wuss. I thought I trained you to be a farmer. <laughs> Illustration, we're about to work better than that, right? I didn't try this at home. should try this at home. Oh, I just wiped it on my face. <laughs> uh, it's good to laugh, right? It's good to laugh. And he pours the Holy Spirit into our mess. He sits with us. He understands it and eventually cleans that mess out. We try and pick it out, but we can't. Holy Spirit comes in, and he starts doing that. Notice that in the upper room, that's what was happening. Repentance, forgiveness of sin, cleaning out of their souls. Holy Spirit falling upon them. And friends, there's so many ways to share Jesus. It's not just standing on a street corner. It's not just um, uh, knocking on doors. There's so many ways to share Jesus. I've got none on the floor. Praise Jesus. Uh, I just would like a cloth. No, just for my hands. I don't, the table will be fine. It'll survive. That's why I told you not to clear, clear one. Yeah. And he... Oh. <coughs> Sorry. Yeah. And he cleans out the mess. Before we can evangelize and go to the streets, we need to ask for the Holy Spirit to fall on us. There's a movement that's happening. A movement of breaking the wheel and the chain. It's been going on for, for centuries. And God just keeps calling people to the movement. And he'll continue to call people to the movement to share what it means to see a picture of God as love. Friends, today, I want you to take home the message of the Holy Spirit pouring into your life and what that may look like. Don't beat yourself up about the mess. The mess will sort itself out when God's good and ready. He knows what you need. He knows how you need it. Stop trying to pick it out and do it yourself. Just take stock and sit in the upper room and allow the Holy Spirit to fall on you. Yes, amen, sister. Let's give, uh, give uh, Nikki a round of applause. No, I've got some on my face. <laughs> jokes, jokes, all jokes aside. I'm going to wrap this up and conclude it and um, get home to Haystacks. He's hungry. <laughs> no, I don't know. I'm not hungry for about a few hours after that, I can tell you. <laughs> Woo, Uber. I'll look at you in a different light now. Let's not worry about evangelism. Let's let God worry about it. And crazy things will happen. Come with me to the end of Acts chapter 2 and we look at what actually happens. Acts chapter 2 and verse 43 to 47. Have a look at what this church looks like. I love this church, Pastor Sarah. This, this has been an amazing church. 
Everyone kept feeling a sense of awe and many wonders and signs were taking place through the apostles. And all the believers were together and had all things in common. What? And they would sell their property and possessions and share them with all to the extent that anyone had need. Day by day, continuing with one mind in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, sharing meals, they're talking, they're hanging out, they're doing church. They were taking their meals together with gladness and sincerity of heart, praising God and having favour with all people. And the Lord was adding to their number day by day those who were being saved. Who adds the number? Who adds the number? Pastor Rick? Pastor Joe's retired now. He's got heaps of time. (laughs) Yeah, I know what retirement's like, right? They tell me that it's busier than when you were working. Who adds to the number? Pastor Sarah? What about our elders? The Lord adds to the number. Let's not get worried about who's going to do what and let the Holy Spirit do what it needs to do and fall upon us and eat together, grow together, cry together, laugh together, make a mess together. (laughs) And let the Holy Spirit tell us what needs to be done. And when we're led by the Holy Spirit, how many will be added to us? Just a number will be added daily. When we get this right, people want to know what it's all about. Do you want this church? Like, you give up your Saturday mornings. Driving to church today, I don't know, it was heckers. It seemed like every car was on the road and they weren't going to church. They were going to other places. But you give up your time and come to church. Why? Because I think deep down you want a portion of this stuff. You've maybe experienced what the Holy Spirit can do in your life and you want it to continue. And Lord, I, I, I keep asking the Lord day in, day out, how can we do this better? Holy Spirit, fall on us. And if we do that, he will give us the tools that we need to do the evangelism, the things that we need to say. Stop trying to fix yourself. Just let God in. And he will do the rest. If you want to be a part of that, this church, that church, the church of the Acts of the Apostles that just started a revolution that's still going today. It's amazing. I want to be a part of that. And I want you to be a part of that. And I'm, I'm appealing you to join to this type of experience of allowing the Holy Spirit to fall on you and break the wheel. Break the wheel of a tyrant God and bring a loving God into the picture of things. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, God of the universe, we've had a lot of fun here today and, we, and what it means to go to the streets and share the gospel message. Firstly, Lord, we sit in the upper room and we pray. We just pray and we wait. We ask for repentance of wrong views of you. We ask for forgiveness and we ask that you hear us 
and send your Holy Spirit to fall on this place. Today, Lord, I ask that you fall on each and every head bowed here like tongues of fire. Fill each and every soul. Those who are questioning whether this is a a right thing to do, we ask, Lord, that you make it clear to them. May you help each and every heart know their mess and allow you to come and fix their mess. Holy Spirit, enter. Be a part of our lives, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.